Star City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City, it's your man Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. We are back. The draft show is on a brief pause until Summer League. We are now the free agency show, and it's a quick turnaround here. Free agency is coming very soon, uh, the evening before, I think June 30th, before July 1st, free agency starts. So we don't have long to turn this around. And joining me today, first time podcasting with this guest is Matt Sponauer from the Stay Hot Sports podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network, also on YouTube as well. Uh, I I got this from your description, Matt. So also you are a TikTok megastar, according to your description as well. So, Matt, thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I think the TikTok megastar was, was uh, someone in the, in the, on the Blue Wire team putting that, and I'm not sure I would quite qualify myself as that. Uh, oh, you would say TikTok that. You would say yeah, that. You're, yeah, you're so well. humble, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, no, I'm glad to be here. And, and why don't you tell people just a little bit about uh, your, your podcast? I think, um, you know, I, I was speaking to you just off air before we jumped on. You're not someone who maybe a lot of our listeners might have heard of before. So it'd be great for you to kind of give people a little bit of a pitch in terms of how you, you cover the league, how you cover the sports and everything. Uh, yeah, it'd be good for them to hear from you. Yeah, um, I started doing TikTok a couple of years ago during the pandemic. Um, and that, that started going really well, mostly sports stuff, NFL and NBA and basketball and football and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, I, I do the podcast with Bladen Kirk and, and Theo Ash, who are both also on TikTok. Bladen's a longtime friend of mine. We went to the same high school. Theo, I actually met through TikTok. He, um, he lives in Arizona right now. Um, but we've been doing it for over a year. Um, those guys are great. So I, I think if you're into that type of stuff, I think it's worth checking out. Um, you're going to make me feel really old here. How old are you, Matt? I'm 20. I'm turning 21 here, though. On the 20. Okay. I got a decade on you. There we go. So... <laughs> Uh, different generations of, you know, you, you've grown up with the Charlotte Horncats um, through your teenage years, as did I, but my, my pain's been a little bit longer for you, but you've definitely been around enough to, uh, to experience it. So 
yeah, really interesting to get some of your takes today on free agency. Um, but before we jump into that, we're first going to start with the rehiring of Steve Clifford, um, which was, was news that broke probably in the last 24 hours. We're recording this on Saturday afternoon, US time. Um, Matt, what were your original thoughts on hearing the news of Steve Clifford being appointed head coach? I think I was a little disappointed. Um, and Steve's not a bad coach. So like, this is not the end of the world or anything. And I, I understand the hiring. I'm really disappointed about Kenny Atkinson. I was really excited for him and the way that all that stuff ended up turning sucks. Um, but I get it with Clifford. I think that they were going for kind of a, a someone they could get on a contract that maybe doesn't lock them in long-term. Uh, you know, when you're the Hornets and Michael Jordan's the owner, money is a really, really, really big deal out uh, of this team, maybe in the way that it isn't for other teams. Like you look at the Panthers, for example, right? You say what you want about Tepper as an owner, but money does not matter to him, right? Like he'll spend whatever. Mm-hmm. With the Hornets, it's not the same way. With Clifford, I can see it working out, though. Like, obviously, you know, his his defensive schemes and whatnot are a lot better than what Borrego was bringing to us. And I really think that the Hornets, they're bad defensively, but I don't think their personnel is, like, so inept defensively that they can't have a good defense, you know? Like, there's no reason why LaMelo and Miles and, like, if we're putting out a lineup with those guys and PJ and then Mark Williams or whoever is going to be starting at center. Like that can be a good defensive team. There's a path to this team being good. Some, some teams it's like, you know, they just don't have the guys for it. I think that we do. We, I think we have the athletes for it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, But I I think it's funny with, you know, cup check. He had that quote where he was like, yeah, we wanted the younger guys played more. That was a head coaching decision. So I'm like, okay, he's going to get somebody who's going to go play the young guys. And then Steve Clifford famous for not doing that. So I'm a little confused by that. I'm not super. So I get it. It's not like the end of the world. It's not like a bad, like, I don't think they're going to be worse. I don't think he's worse than Borrego, but I wanted Dan Tony. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's been a situation where a head coach has been hired in Charlotte and people have probably been less excited. In fact, no, Mike Dunlap. Mike Dunlap, people were less excited when he came straight from what division two, division three, or something. Gosh, uh, that was crazy. But um, uh, since then, it's not often that you have a coach get appointed and straight away the fan base aren't excited. Normally, there's this honeymoon period, right, where mm-hmm. he's talking about this new philosophy and all the players are going, "Oh my god, these out of timeout plays are amazing." And and I don't, I feel like straight away with Steve Clifford appointment. He instantly has the shortest leash or room for disappointment of any new head coach in, in Hornets history. And also, I just think generally across the NBA, like if this team gets off to a rough start, I don't think many teams are going to be like, well, he's a new coach. He needs a little bit of time to, to put in his ideas. People are just going to be out so quickly. Like, I, I really do worry that you, this is going to lead to some really kind of like toxic fan Hornet relationships. And like, I mean, because you see all the new media stuff, right? I do. Okay. See, like, and I, they hate this team with a burning passion. But to an extent, like, dude, I get it, man. They were hope because they're really, they're LaMelo fans. And you're hoping that you can get somebody who really will do the best at unlocking LaMelo next year. Because that's kind of the most important thing to the Hornets. Like, the defense is obviously a big thing. But at the end of the day, like, your team is only as good as your 1A is. Well, we and think that's LaMelo's important. I, I agree with you. I agree it's important to get the best out of LaMelo, but the process and the choice of head coach hire kind of suggests that 
the team aren't being like, okay, what can we do? Absolutely anything for Lamelo here. That I don't know if the team share that approach that a lot. That's of and that's do. what I'm worried about. A hundred percent. That's what makes me nervous about this. You would think, and what, what I'm telling myself, because you have to talk yourself into any move that your team makes is that they would not have brought back Clifford. If the idea was not that they were going to play the young guys, they would not have done this. I mean, really, Half the rotation is going to be, hopefully, guys who are pretty green. You know, you got Book Knight. I want to see Kai Jones. I want to see JT Thor. I want to see Mark Williams. Um, I d- if I we go know, in the next Matt, season. We, we might see a record for minutes per game from Cody Martin this upcoming season. Are you ready for yeah. that? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even the biggest Cody Martin hater. Like, they can play both Book Knight and Martin. Nothing is stopping them from doing that. Um, but I... I do worry a little bit about that actually happening or if we're going to be 35 games into the season and Plumlee is still getting major minutes. Well, I think Kupchak and the front office are very aware of that. I mean, you read the statement the Hornets put out and this this line is literally for the fans, which is, this is a, a direct quote from Kupchak. Steve is committed to playing with the same offensive pace that our fans have become accustomed to seeing in the last few years. Translation, we're still going to get to see full court Lamelo passes and we're going to play really fast and get loads of threes, okay? That's the first part. Second is, we are confident that he'll be able to help our young players develop, players continue to grow as we look to take the next step as our team. Translation, we're not going to just let our guys sit on the bench like Malik Monk for years. So I, that was, I do really feel put in there because they know there are those preconceptions out there about Steve Clifford from his last time as Charlotte. And I have to say... They were warranted. Like he, he was not. This team was literally give the ball to Kemba, high pick and roll, and that was it. Everyone else just stand there and hit a shot if you're open. And the young players didn't really develop too much. I, you can point to Kemba, who became an All NBA guard, 13, just about. Um, but apart from that, there was not great youth development during the Clifford era. Right, and I think I get it because the Hornets kind of have to have a foot in each door. You know, like they can't. They need to make the playoffs. They need to. This isn't like the Thunder where it's like, who cares, whatever. Mm. You know, where our timeline is so far in the future. The Hornets kind of need to get going here. Uh, and Clifford, he, ta- he took a, an Orlando team that probably shouldn't have been in the playoffs to the playoffs a couple of years in a row before, I mean, basically that team blew up. And I don't even know if I really blame him for that. Um, so I, I guess my thought process is like, but in Orlando, he wasn't really worried about developing the young guys and, and getting them a bunch of playing time. So if they're being honest and they're saying, yeah, we're going to get these guys some run. Okay. And that really happens. I'm cool with this hire. And it's again, it's, we're not locked in this long term. I can be okay with that, but it would be wrong to like assume that's going to happen because of Clifford's record. Mm. Yeah. Personally, my, my feeling is that I'm just torn, completely torn down the middle. I, I don't have a really strong feeling. I think whatever, however it ends up, even if this ends up great, we shouldn't look back on this and be like, oh, what a great high. The process was poor. Let's just be frank. But I, I know Kenny Atkinson obviously didn't go through, uh, didn't share himself in glory here. But the, the, the whole process in the front office this summer has seemed a little bit haphazard, heavy-fisted. It, it just seemed unplanned. Like you see other teams... They move off a head coach. They already know who the new head coach is. Like they are, they're set up. They've got it lined up. They've already had back channel conversations. It, it just felt like Charlotte were like looking around, scrambling, and that that's a real shame. So b- before we move on, I, I've made a little yes/no list of of why we like Steve Clifford, and I want I want you to throw out some 
some yeses for me now. And I want to see if you've got anything else that I haven't got on my list. So give me, give me, list a few reasons that you think Steve Clifford could be the right man for the job. I think that Clifford does a good job maximizing a team as far as in the win-loss column he did in Orlando. I think that he's going to maximize what we can do on defense. Got those. I think that there is a world where the idea is that it's going to be Clifford on defense and they're going to let, and the idea is just to let LaMelo do what LaMelo does and let those guys run on offense. And if the offense is anything like it was last year and you've got a good defense, you're talking about a very serious team. Um, I think I also think Clifford's well-respected for a reason. And I, I do think that there were some options out there of guys who have no experience. Clifford's been, uh, you know, the head of playoff teams before. Um, and I guess the other thing would be, again, is that we're not locked in long-term. So this might just be like, it may have just turned out we wanted Atkinson and it didn't like, it just, I, it's hard to tell exactly what the problem was with that without actually being in the room. Like, was it, the Hornets did something stupid and he left or was it he was a jerk or he had some other offer and he backed out. Right. So I I think that this gives me a reason to think that the Hornets defense could be better, but it also gives me a reason to think that if this doesn't like an upgrade later on could be still in play. So that's, that's why I like it. Okay. I've got just one or two extra ones. I'm going to add in. I, I think the this is linked to the defense, but obviously like really great defensive rebounding team, something the Hornets have been terrible at. Really low foul rate, something that I think the Hornets' discipline is completely gone for. Um, the other thing, and this is one thing I don't think he gets enough credit for, is he has done well to create an environment that's complemented a central offensive player. So in Charlotte, it was Kemba. You know, Kemba, who saw Kemba Walker becoming uh, an all 13 guard? Like you saw him, I know his knees were shot, but you saw him go to Boston, New York, and he's not been able to be anything like he was in the Steve Clifford mm-hmm. system. Same for Nikola Vucevic as well in Orlando. People forget about this. He was not an all-star until Steve Clifford got there. He pivoted. He put the team around him. Like you said, that Orlando team was scrappy. So I, I do think... That's a good point. Pe- yeah, pe- people will look at this and go, oh, this isn't good to maximize the mellow. Well, maybe not compared to Dan Tony. Okay, but he's an extreme. Clifford has got a track record, I think, of building teams around an individual and having them be the focal point. So that, that's the yes list. Hit me with some no's. What, what are your no's if you're creating reasons of why they shouldn't have done this? Um, what are your worries or concerns heading into this? I think that Clifford, uh, I, I guess my no's would be, I don't, think that he, I don't think that he maximizes the entirety of the offense the way that maybe D'Antoni does. I'm worried that, He's almost like a lame duck type coach. Um, I'm worried about the young players getting playing time. And there's one other thing I'm trying to think of. And I'm worried that it just, it just like, even if it works out, it just makes us look dumb. I'm so sick of having to go on Twitter and seeing the Hornets get trashed all the time. And like, I don't even disagree necessarily, but I hate when other fans, like I can say something bad about the Hornets, but if you're not a Hornets fan, you can't say something bad about them, dude. And now it's like the, the story of this Hornets offseason. I don't think they're a worse team than they were when the offseason started, right? Like, absolutely not, right? At least so far. No, um, I don't think so. But man, now it looks like we're the dumb team who made like a bad draft trade. We should have t- stuck with Dern and then. Atkinson backed out and of course that gets blamed on us when really it's kind of hard to tell and then we go back and hire our old former head coach who we already fired it's like that just makes us look dumb 
I agree. And I've always said to people now for years, everyone complains about national media. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, if I was part of the national media, I would make fun of the Charlotte <laughs> yeah. Hornets too. Because until they prove you wrong, they just will. It's just like the Kings. I poke fun at the Kings. Like, it because they do stupid stuff all the time. And we are just, you know, Kings East in a lot of people's eyes. I don't, I don't think we are quite that bad. But there are a lot of reasons that you can point to dysfunction in both our history and our our current situation. So a, a couple of things I just wanted to add again, um, get, get ready for static rotations. People are going to be out right. rotations for months. You're going to forget they're on the roster. Uh, if you like kind of mixing lineups night in, night out, uh, you're not going to like Steve Clifford because he, he likes everyone to know exactly how much they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, that's one thing as well. The, the three point defense also has me a little worried because towards his, end of his time in Charlotte, like the, the NBA was really shifting in the Steve Clifford era. And at first it was very much protect the paint at all costs, give up threes. And then kind of by the, by the kind of 2017, 2018, actually teams wanted to take the threes and we were still giving them up. So I'm worried about that just modernizing um, a little bit. So yeah, I've got some concerns. I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. Look, if he wins, Everyone will not worry about this, but as soon as right. things go badly, people are going to turn on him so quickly. Yep. No, I, I agree. That's how I feel about the Mark Williams Duran stuff, too. It's like if Mark Williams comes in and is just good right off the bat, everyone mm. will get over that incredibly quickly. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to come back on that trade. So normally Hornets fans get annoyed for the national media, like saying things are bad, even though Hornets fans are like, well, it's not really that bad. I felt the Durin trade, we don't want to give you this too much detail, but I felt it was the opposite. I feel like national media or like, and draft analysts and NBA analysts are like, yeah, it makes sense. Like they've got a bunch of young guys. They have the 13th pick. They got a future first and three seconds, uh, four seconds and then traded one. Um, like it's, it's fine from Charlotte. They're not in like the losers category that I've seen in like, to like the grades that I've given. They're not in the winners. But um, yeah, Hornets fans seem to have been harsher on the team than the national media, which makes a change at least. Yeah, it does. I, I, I don't love the trade. I mean, if Nor it's do I. really... I, I love Duran. I mean, we had a live podcast and I freaked out when we traded Duran. It was, I, was, I was really looking forward to it. I felt like... Because last year, the draft we had, I felt was so good. We did such a good job. I really liked the book night pick at 11. And then I, Kai sure? Jones was like... Are we sure it's a good job now? I think that it's hard to say without him playing, but I'll, I'll, I agree. I'll say this. Even in hindsight, you'll be able to look back and you'll say, like, these guys either did turn out or they didn't. But I like the I liked us taking shots on guys with really high ceilings. I do, For a long I time, I feel like I Booknight, like, if he is good, he is going to be so good. If Kai Jones is going to be good, he is going to be so good, right? Yeah. So I would prefer to take – like, you can see – Regardless of what you think of this offseason or last offseason, the path to the Hornets becoming a really great team is clearer than it has ever been since I've been alive. Like, if even one of Book Knight or Kai Jones comes even close to their potential, like, yeah, that's him, Miles LaMelo, that's big-time talent. It's the most talent we've had in a long time. Um, so I, I do like I, – I, I did like their last draft. And I felt like this draft, they also had the option to, you know, they could have like they could have really cleaned up with 13 and 15. And I do understand like if you took both the picks, you would be going into the season saying half of our rotation is going to be guys who basically never played like serious minutes. And that is 
bordering on like, yeah, dude, there is only so young you can be if you really want to go win playoff games. But I was expecting the trade that for them to make would be like for a Turner or a Pirtle or like someone who's like really, like really, you know, uh, is is ready to come in and and yeah contribute instead of we're going to kick the can down the road and lose a little bit of value for the sake of doing that realistically like trading like what so we have the nuggets pick let's say that's around 25 like that's so we we traded we traded 13 for 25 and four seconds is that the end of like the world no it's not like that's not terrible but then all of a sudden on a second round pick as well right right so when it's like you know, Duran. I think it just looks worse because people really wanted Duran. It's like he fell to us, and then that's the guy we ended up yeah. picking to trade away. The the um, seas parted for the dream case scenario, and then we did it, and then we got rid of it. Like, and if the trade had happened the day before that they traded thirteen for right. that, and a bunch of, like people would have been like, "Oh, Duran ended up falling, but it's fine. We got Mark Williams." But it's because everyone was high fiving, hugging each other. Yes, we've done it. We finally got him, and then within a minute, it was over. So it, it was like I do agree. It was the it was the way it happened. The way it happened. I so and if if it's really like the money thing, like we didn't want to pay two lottery picks. It's like man, no, dude, I, that's I I don't I don't I don't just don't buy that. I, I think there is a lot of areas where you can point to money being an issue. But we're going to touch on Miles Bridges, the coaching, the number of staff in the front office, especially in the analytics department, the, you know, history of re-signing Ken, but trust, there's a lot of examples. I don't think trading Jalen Duran away, like if they wanted right. to save 3 million, they could have just non-guaranteed Plumley. Yeah, they, they could have just cut him. You know, yeah. there's, there's easier ways to do that. hundred percent. I just, I just think they had Mark Williams on their board above Duran. And I think a lot of people disagree with that. And I get it. Uh, yeah. I'm still really pumped about Mark Williams. So I there's only too. so upset I can be. Yep. Um, okay. Oh, man. Let's let's move on to the that was the starter. Let's move on main course, right? Free agency is coming. And I want to have you on to talk about what you want to happen with some of the the two risk, main restricted free agents. So probably be the, the main part of our discussion. And obviously we're going to start with Miles Bridges. So Miles Bridges is a restricted free agent. He is eligible for a five-year 173 million max, which essentially starts off at about 30 million and mm-hmm. would escalate or de-escalate, depending which way you started it, up to about 40 million. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been rumors out there. I'm pretty almost certain it was leaked by Clutch, which is Marbridge's agent, which Shams also is his agency, and Shams was the one who leaked it, that the Hornets are unsure about offering Miles Bridges the max and that uh, you know the other teams lining up. I, I have to say those reports were never so obviously planted by an agent, but nonetheless, it is concerning that it's put out there. Um, where do you stand on Miles Bridges? Do you think they should sign and trade him? Do you think they should sign to the max no matter what? Do you think they should let him go? How's your, how's your temperature on it? I think, I think, the, I think it's got to be re-sign at all costs, I'm afraid. Um, do you feel good about it if you do that? With the max, I am 100% a Miles Bridges believer. It's definitely a risk, but the way I look at it is like any big contract you give out like that is going to be a risk. NBA Twitter is going to tell you that nobody outside of like the top 10 players, 15 players in the league is worth a max. And it's just not true. That's not how the league functions. If you want to keep a guy like a, a young wing putting up 20 a game like he is with the tools he has, you have to pay up. And like, 
yeah, it's a dice roll. It could not work out. He could not continue to develop like he has, but rolling the dice on him is better than not rolling the dice at all. Like I can tell you exactly what's going to happen to the Hornets if they don't bring him back. They're not They're not going to figure it out. So you can't be scared to go out and bring back a guy, like a homegrown guy. He wants to play for the Hornets. Like, are they going to like, and if they, if they, let him walk. Are they going to be able to go replace him? Any like, are they going to be able to go use that money in any meaningful way? No, not really. And the Hornets already have a bunch of money. They, if they want to free up money, there are ways to do it. This year, next year, they're freeing up a bunch of money. Next year, they could get off of Hayward. They, you know, there's other ways to to get the money. I don't think you can cheap out here. I don't know if he'll even actually get the max offer because I don't think the Pistons are in a position where like. They feel like they have to spend their money this offseason because I don't think they have like a bunch of guys to go resign next year. So they should still have their money next year. And I know they, you know, Bridges would kind of be a dream signing for them. So maybe they do. But even if they do, I'm 100% in the train that you have to resign them no matter what. So if you want to go down that line, then are you resigning him at the five year 173 figure? Or are you letting him go out? Are you basically saying like the offer is, I don't know. 26 million per year. Let's say 25 million per year, which is basically what John Collins got in Atlanta. So John Collins, he had a year where he averaged 22 and 10. A year later, he was like 18 and 9. And then he got a 25 per year deal for four mm-hmm. years, which the Hawks are now trying to dump because they're stuck with this salary and they don't feel great about it. But are you, are you re- kind of saying, look, the offer is 25 a year. You can take that or you can go off and sign a max and we will match it. Yep, that's 100% what your strategy should be. Mm-hmm. Offer him something reasonable, like, you know, offer him what he's probably about worth, about $25 million a year, whatever. If he doesn't take it, okay, you can go out to free agency. He's, you know, this isn't a situation where he's not willing to sign back. And you, if he's really worth a max, like, okay, if he can go get that, fair enough. But you don't give it to him straight up without at least making sure that somebody else is also willing to. I think that's the correct way to play it. Of course, that sucks because it's going to be super nerve-wracking because I'm not mm. 1,000% confident that the Hornets are going to re-sign him. So um, this is my challenge because I, like, if it was NBA 2K, 100%, I agree, I'd do that. The problem is we've seen how these negotiations, these uh, contract standoffs, especially when Clutch are involved, they can turn real nasty and you can see the likes of, uh, I don't know, remember Gordon Hayward? He ended up signing with Charlotte as a restricted free agent because he was like annoyed that Utah didn't just max him and basically said, you have to go out and get an offer sheet. And then he signed like a three plus one, which meant essentially meant that he could opt out um, and then he could end up in Boston and he was able to leave Utah earlier. And I mean, that that's the risk is that like he goes signs with Detroit. It's a three plus one with like, a player option. There's a 15% trade kicker on there. They can do all these like nasty things that actually, oh no, you've only got Miles locked up for three years now, not five. Um, and you also risk just alienating the player. What if he like just refuses to take that 26 million per year? You saw that with like Tristan Thompson. I know different level player, but I don't think he signed when he was with the Cavs, again, managed by Clutch. I don't think he signed until like September or October before the season. He just kind of stayed out there in restricted free agency um, until he got the money that he wanted. So is that something that kind of gives you any concern or you still think you go down that route? I think I still think you can go down that, that road. Um, I guess I would be a little bit nervous about that, but at the end of the day, even if you get him back for only three years on contract, you could argue that maybe that's even better 
Mm. And that if he really does end up being that great player, great, you can extend him later. He wants to be in Charlotte. He is happy to be with the Hornets. This is not somebody where you really need to like, like I feel, at least I feel like, and I guess it's tough because a lot of the details of it are stuff that you can't know, like the, it being in the negotiation room and like being part of that. You'd have to sort of see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I'll even say this. If it came down to it and you really felt like you would miss out on getting him super long-term or you'd think Clutch would pull something, yeah, I'd max him. I really would. I, I think that not only is he key to the team, he's the second best player on the team. He's young. He fits the timeline, but he's shown significant improvement too. Like he's shown the growth consistently. Um, and with his tools, there's, you know, reason to think that he could continue to get better. So I, I really think doing anything other than making sure that he's on the team long term would be a mistake. I agree. And my stance has shifted, I think, from earlier in the summer where I was kind of thinking down the lines that you have to bring Miles Bridges back, but you have to find a way to do it under Max. Like, that's what that's what you have to do. But now I think you you look into all these other factors. Firstly, the friendship that and bond that he has with Lamelo, not just on the court, but off it. That is huge. You cannot understate that. You do not understand how quickly fans will turn if you let Miles go and how Lamelo might turn going, well, this team just aren't serious about winning if they're just letting him go. Linked to that, you've got free agency. How many times with the Kemba, Hornets get called cheap? They don't pay for free agents, even though they did go out and you know pay off Nick Batum for stretch him and then sign Gordon Hayward. They certainly paid for him. I don't know if that was the best of decisions, but the the respect from other NBA players, they still have a bit of a reputation for not being a, a high-paying team and not paying guys what they deserve, which has to be a concern. The other thing is his availability. Like apart from a stretch where he had COVID in the COVID year, Miles Bridges barely misses a game. And I don't know how, considering what he puts his body through, like flying through the air, but he just is available night in, night out, battles for everything. And like you say, he we have no option to replace him whatsoever unless it's a sign and trade. And that gets really tricky because going if you were to sign and trade him to any team, he would count for his max number for the for the team receiving Miles Bridges. So it'd be like 30, 35 million. For the Charlotte, it would essentially be half his max number. So it'd be like 17 million, which Charlotte would have to take back. So then you get this really imbalanced trade, which makes any sign and trade very difficult. And like I look at Indiana, Detroit, San Antonio, Detroit really don't have anything that they'd be able to give, which I'd have interest in, which they'd be willing to give up. Indiana and San Antonio have some more interesting stuff, but I I think they'd rather just try and sign them as a restricted free agent in the first place and not go through that. Yeah. I mean, the way you got to look at sign and trades is that you're not getting anything back. And if you do, it's found money, right? And you see like, like Lonzo is a good example. What, what did the uh, Pelicans get back for him? Nothing, right? They got nothing of, of any, you know, serious impact. So when you think about that and then you think about also, are the Hornets going to have like a ton of cap space if they let them walk? No. And even if they did, would they be able to do anything with it? Probably not. So I'm, I am 100% on the on board of, of signing Miles. I mean, what what message does that send to Lamelo or the yep. team that if if you're you, you know you're not willing to bring him back again? I just think I understand why people are, are saying it's a gamble to bring him back on that type of money, yep. but it's a yeah, again it's a gamble you have to take. You have to do it. That's the path of the team. I mean, he he would instantly become I think the 20th best played player in the NBA. He would sign, he would be on similar uh, contract to Shea Gilgis Alexander and Michael Porter Jr. 
He'd be say, signing the same kind of max contract extension as Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Darren Fox, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray. You look through those, you probably go, Darren Fox, yeah, that ain't great. Michael Porter Jr., because of the back, not great about that either. Ben Simmons, obviously not great with his recent few years. But other than that, like Jamal Murray, Bam, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Shea, those guys are all getting better. And we have to remember the cap will still continue to get up, go up over time in 2025. So this would be what in three summers time, the cap, there will be a new TV deal and you're mm-hmm. not going to have the spike of free agency money like we did last time, which allowed Durant to sign to the Warriors. There will be smoothing, but the cap will go up at a even quicker rate then. And that's why one reason that if the Hornets do resign Miles Bridges, his, his buddy, Jaron Jackson and, and, um, Memphis, he got a de-escalating deal. So he started at 28 million and it tapers down to 23 over his contract. I would not do that with Miles because of that TV money coming in. And you might hear some Mm -hmm. people think it's smart to de-escalate, but actually start it out low, keep it going up. And hopefully that TV money comes in and gives the Hornets some extra flicks down the line. So um, yeah, Miles Bridges, I think we're both lockstep here. If they don't re-sign him, we're talking about complete disaster stations for this Charlotte Hornets mm-hmm. offseason, are we not? We are. And I'll even say this, um, a couple of things. You list out even you list out all the guys who got those rookie max extensions, right? And even the ones where you're like, that's not great. Like De'Aaron Fox maybe is not great. Or um, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, you still ended up trading. Like Ben Simmons, complete disaster. You still ended up trading him for plus value those teams if given another chance even though if they don't work out amazing they still would choose to do it again because you can't just lose that talent that value for nothing i feel the same way about the hornets okay right we're going to take a break right there and then we're going to come back talk about cody martin and some other free agency options in the second half of the podcast catch in a minute welcome back for part two of the free agency show joining me today is matt sponauer we just talked about the Steve Clifford reactions, Miles Bridges, and we're now going to be talking about Cody Martin, restricted free agent, um, could be the first second round pick to ever resign following their rookie contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Matt. Are you serious? Is that a true stat? That's, that's a true stat. I looked this up for my article. We have never resigned a second round pick in the 22 year history of the franchise. And this is this is why I think Cupcheck is actually like I'm pretty pro Cupcheck. His like my whole life the Hornets haven't been able to draft at all any like you know to no extent. And now say what you want about like you know maybe being too cheap or who the, whose fault that is at the Gordon Hayward stuff. He can get us good players. He can get us more talent than we've ever gotten before through the draft. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, I mean, we used to just sell our second round picks, so it's probably not that much of a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, that, that finally we we might actually resign one because we actually kept a guy. Um, so I guess I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. One, do you want Cody Martin back? Two, do you think he will be back? I do want him back. I guess it's like this one's a tough one because it totally depends on the money. I saw some sort of ESPN stat thing where they're like, "This is how much this player is worth." I know what you're going to say. Right, and it was like twelve million a yeah. year or something. John Hollinger's right? board's projections, which is I, I, I can't, I can't get to twelve million a year. No. I'm afraid, but he is a very solid three and D player uh, who I'd like to see continue to develop. So if the price is right, I know people are probably frustrated. It's like, oh, he's stealing uh, book nights minutes or whatever. But 
Uh, I, I don't see why he and Book Knight can't both play. So if he comes back, I get it. I'm okay with that. I agree. I mean, Co- Cody can play probably some backup point guard. He's done at times. He can play a little bit at the three. I, I don't think it's just like you say, it's not just him or Book Knight. It's not that mm-hmm. simple a decision. Um, so I, I, I wrote an article for SI Hornets. So if you, if you Google Cody Martin free agency, Charlotte Hornets, it'll be the first thing that comes up in Google. If not, just go to all Hornets website and go on the free agency section. You'll find it there. But I wrote an article in here and I looked at some comparable free agents from 2020, 2021, who fill similar roles. And I looked at what contracts they got. So I'm going to list them out for you here. Mm-hmm. You had Reggie Bullock, who was like a three and D wing for the Knicks, went to the Mavs, was three years, 30 million, 10 per year. That's, that's the highest of any of the guys I got here. You got DeAnthony Melton with the Memphis Grizzlies. He ended up signing for eight and a half per year. You got Avery Bradley. He signed for two years, six, uh, six million per year. Nick Batum obviously signed with the Clippers, three and a half million per year. And then you had Garrett Temple, who signed for five and a half million per year uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans. So if you're looking at like low usage, slightly older, limited upside, three and D wings, that is your range right there. Anywhere from three and a half million up to 10 million. And I mean, where just out of those players, where would you rank Cody Martin? Just forget about contracts. Where would you rank him out of those guys? Probably somewhere in the middle, right? I agree. Not, I agree. Uh, I think uh, like somewhere behind, probably behind Melton. I, I hate to say it, maybe behind Batum. I, I, I takes a lot to say that. Um, and and maybe slightly behind Bullock, but I'd say above Bradley and above Temple. I think that's right. probably pretty fair. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Here's, I guess, here's my thing with him, right? So it's just like pretty solid three and D, like stereotypical, like you know. You sign him for that six to eight million for a couple of years, three years, whatever. You only have three guards on the roster right now. If he's your fourth and that's your four guard rotation, I'm cool with that. And let's say, okay, so we don't want him to get into Book Knight's way. That's the big thing everyone's worried about. Well, Book Knight hasn't really proven himself. I like him, but he hasn't proven himself yet. Let's say that Book Knight all of a sudden starts going crazy. You haven't committed that much money, and a three and D guy like that on a contact on a contract that cheap, he's not he's not going to be like immovable it's he's probably still a positive asset for that money um so i think i think it's right for asset management to keep him i think he still fits on the team i think he can play the young guys with him i like i like some of the stuff that he does so i would say keep him if the money's right but once you start to get into that double digit million per year stuff um and i'm not 100 percent sure a lot of it depends on how much we have to pay miles because i know we don't want to go into the luxury tax um so if we can stay under the luxury tax get him for that six to eight million two three years i'm down if you had to make way Kelly Oubre for Cody Martin, would you do that? Probably not. I don't think that Martin brings what Oubre does on offense, and I think ultimately that's more important. You could, I mean, and I'm not. I guess you do kind of look at the rotation. It's like you got to get Oubre in there somewhere, and if you bring Martin back, maybe it's all of a sudden it does start to get pretty hard. Um, well, I've just thought I didn't think we were talking about Steve Clifford. We're obviously talking about the big name players. I didn't think about Kelly Oubre. I, I don't think Steve Clifford is going to like Kelly Oubre's game. I'm just, no. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there right now. For knowing from what I know, like his love of like St- Stephen Graham when he was here and MKG and those guys, Kelly Oubre is, is not that way wired. Um, 
But but I, I agree. Um, I think this is really tricky. He's a restricted free agent. That's important to notice. So he can't just go sign anywhere. The Hornets can match. But let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Who is who is shelling out a like offer sheet for twenty seven year old Cody Martin? Who is like I don't think anyone believes he's a forty percent three point shooter as much as he did technically shoot that for last season. I I just don't think that's that's going to be a a norm for him. I kind of feel like something in that, and like you said, right in the middle, five to eight million range. I'd probably try to do two years, like with a team option right. on the third. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to be locking in loads of long-term money. That's that's my big thing because yep. you're already locked in long-term money to Rosier, Hayward, probably Bridges. You're going to be doing the same with Lamelo. Um, that's that's where I'm kind of at. I don't want a four-year D'Anthony Melton deal. D'Anthony Melton was like eight and a half a year for four years. I just, I think that would be a mistake. And if that, if that deal doesn't age that well, if Cody Martin does drop out the rotation and he loses value, if he's like an expiring, yeah, you can move him. If he's got two years left in his contract, right. like you're, you are in stuck with that. People aren't going to be taking that. Yeah, Kemba Walker, New York had to pay a first round pick just to dump him at the draft to Detroit. And he's got and one year left. Um, right. No, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I think, you know, the Hornets could be in a really good cap position next year with how much money they have opening up and the fact that Hayward would then be an expiring and maybe Martin will be an expiring then. Um, but I, I would I would like to see him back. And maybe that does kind of create a, a little bit of a log jam because it's like you got Ubre and Hayward and Miles and, you know, Rozier. And it's like, you know, maybe there's one too many guys there. But I almost think that with a new coach having one extra guy figuring out the rotation, everyone's very movable. And then you maybe make a move at the deadline and grab yourself an extra second or whatever. Um, I, I don't think that'd be a bad play at all. So I, I would, I would like to keep him, but if we let him walk, I'm not gonna, it's not going to mess up my day too much. Yeah. I th- I think I'm on the same page. He, it just feels strange to be letting go this team's best defender. And he was on the perimeter. Right. He was, I'm not, I don't think he was incredible by the way. Like he was this team's best defender on a team full of below average defenders <laughs> Like he's a guy who always looks like he's he picks guys up full court, but then he just gets blown by at times. Um, right, he's yeah. not absolutely outstanding in that category, but I do think he is above average, and he does make other guys feel him, and he's an, an antagonizer, which this roster doesn't really have, and I, I like that role. But I, I do agree, the book night fit is just messy. Um, I, I don't know what else you can say about it. Like you, he can play other positions, but. You know James Booknight is not happy that Cody Martin's going to be resigning if he ends up being so because he is an definitely a competitor to take some minutes away from him and but for me like that's Booknight you got to challenge that defensively you have got to bring right. that energy if you want to because we know you're better offensively that's that's not a question but you've got to bring that on the defensive end and hopefully he he rises to that. And um, if if, you, if your two Booknight is not beating out Cody Martin that is not a we resigned Cody Martin problem that's a Booknight problem. Um, I think I get it with the rookie stuff and well with Rego, but like, yeah, dude, I, you know, Cody Martin is is a guy we're talking about getting five million dollars a year. I mean, it, Book Knight's on a rookie deal is going to be getting similar money. This is not this is not like we're bringing back someone like even like a Kelly Oubre. It's like, yeah, Kelly Oubre is like, you know, was a pretty serious player, at least. Um, but yeah, you should be able to beat out Martin. I just don't want to give him a contract to where if Book Knight does beat out Martin, we're all of a sudden stuck with somebody who we can't move and have you know no use for, and we're stuck mm. to that money. If we had, if Hayward wasn't such an injury risk, and we had a better wing, like as well as Ubre to play small forward, because like maybe I think McDaniel's is more of a four. I think JT Thor is probably more of a four. 
I would actually prefer Cody Martin's skill set on this team. If Cody Martin was like two inches bigger and right. you could just play full-time three and then you can play Buck Knight, I would much prefer that, I think, than Kelly. I, I have to say, I loved the Kelly resigning last year. Um, I was a big proponent of it. He won a number of games for Charlotte this season. There's no doubting what he did. At the same time, he is just such a, like, as soon as Kelly Oubre comes in the game, you are a Kelly Oubre team. Like, you, whatever you're doing on the court is what Kelly Oubre wants yeah, to I do. Yeah, I mean, and I, just don't I appreciate know having to... a hot, cold guy like that a little bit. Something that, like, every once in a while, it's like, oh, this is going to be a Kelly Oubre game. He goes off the 30. But then every once in a while, he misses, like, his first five shots. You're like, this is going to be a Kelly Oubre game. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that after he hit those 10 threes in the quarter, mm-hmm. his very next three the next night, like clanked off the side of the backboard. And I was like, yeah, that's Kelly Oubre. It's, that's just what happens. Um, okay, so Cody Martin, I think we're, we're both in the idea that where are you drawing the line in the sand? I'm going to push you for a figure here. Are you, are you paying eight, eight for two years? I'd say I will do eight for two years for three. Probably needs to get down to seven, six and a half. Mm. Yeah, I... I think I'm in the same with you as well, especially if we get a team option on to give you that flex. Mm-hmm. But we've seen many times re-signing role players who are like seventh, eighth men. Doesn't this, is not, this is not a, a winning strategy for the Charlotte Hornets in the past, I'm afraid. It, it just doesn't age that well around the NBA. And I know some of those examples we gave aged well, but they've been more for agency signings. For whatever reason, when you seem to re-sign those guys, it doesn't always work out how you might hope. But... Okay, let's move on from Cody Martin. Let's touch on a couple of unrestricted free agents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Montrez, IT. Let's start with Montrez Harrell. Uh, Percentage chance he's back in Charlotte. What say you? I'd say probably about 30%, maybe a little less. I don't want him back. I don't want him or IT back. Um, And I like IT, and it's like they do good things. But at the end of the day, dude, if we bring them back, number one, neither of those guys are strong defensive players. And if that's okay, we got Clifford, that's the goal, great. They can't, they are not strong defenders. There's a reason why IT is, you know, struggled to make a team, right? And the other thing is like, okay, we want to play the young guys. Well, then you can't bring everybody back. Somebody has to be out of the rotation. I just feel like every minute that IT gets is one that's like, man, I'd much rather have Book Knight playing this. Or, man, you know, if, if Montrez is playing, it's like, well, if he's at five, where's Mark Williams? You know, where's, you know, is, is Kai Jones going to be in there? So, I think if you want to be more defensive focused and you want to play the young guys more, those are two guys who have to be out the door. And they're not all bad, but bringing those guy, guys back just leaves open the door for Clifford to cut out all of the young guys, make it a little bit harder on him than that. So I would not want to bring them back. I agree with you on Montrez. Um, I, I think one thing I want to say about Montrez Harrell, actually, because he, he caught a lot of flack for being arrested. I saw a report recently, and again, I, I don't know how well sources is, but I saw a report that actually, like, it wasn't what it first was reported. He was like a passenger. There was something else going on. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily that like, he was driving around with a huge amount of weed in his car, mm-hmm. like, as, as first got caught. So if, if that is the case, I think it's important that we acknowledge that as much as we acknowledge him getting arrested in the first place. Just like Rashawn Holmes, who Rashawn mm-hmm. Holmes' name got dragged through the mud for his issue he had with his ex-wife and his kid. He's been exonerated of all charges and she's actually been charged. But Sean Holmes, good on you, like, because you've had people speaking bad about you for the last 12 months and that. So, um, yeah, Montrose Harrell, especially with Steve Clifford now, like, what does Steve Clifford want his bigs to do? Not offensive rebound. Okay, we've just lost about 50% of what Montrose Harrell is good at. Right. Like, 
that's that's number one. He likes he likes size. Okay, also not great. He likes someone who can defensive rebound. Something else Montrezl Harrell struggles at. I just don't see a world where they bring back Montrezl Harrell, and he did have his impact. Like I actually thought at times he the team did look better with him out there last mm-hmm. year, but with the way the team is going with the coaching staff, I don't see Montrez. It is where I think where I maybe disagree with you because I look at this list of other point guard options to be essentially back, like backup ball handlers, because I don't think Buck Knight can be a backup ball handler full time. I think at a stretch, he can do it every now and then, but I mean, I watched him play like a lot of on the ball in Greensboro last year. And it was so, I mean, you're talking about four or five turnovers a game, he just doesn't have the ball security and, and he can make a jump. And if he does, then great. But you look at the list of free agent point guards, which I'm, I'm going to go through in a second here. And you're looking at guys who we could afford. And this, this again, we'll, we'll come to what we've got to spend at the minute. But Tyus Jones, Delon Wright, Ray John Rondo, Alfred Payton, Raul Neto, Paddy Mills, Javon Carter, Aaron Holiday, Frank Jackson. I'm going to stop reading now because I'm getting depressed. Um, like... Unless you're spending the full MLE, which is ten and a half million, on Tyus Jones or right. Delon Wright, which I just don't think using up your one kind of bit of free agency cachet on a backup guard is is a right way to go. Then I think the rest of those guys are just minimum guys. And Isaiah Thomas, by all accounts, had a huge impact on the locker room last year as a veteran presence. And this is a team that does have a lack of veteran know how and. He isn't going to play that much. I don't expect him to be on the court, really. I would rather try and get through those minutes with Cody Martin or Terry Rozier. But Mm -hmm. I like him as a vet presence if he was as good as all the players seem to say he was last year. I'll I'll tell you what. If if he's going to be a serious part of the rotation, I can't like... I agree. Isaiah Thomas is just not a a serious rotational player for a team. Okay, we're united on that. I see what you mean. I, I agree. Now, if it's... He is a reserve who will play spot minutes depending on injury, and it's more of a locker room thing. Haslam role. Have him on the, the team. Haslam guy. Yes, that I am perfect. Like, yeah, at that point, you know, I don't care. That's that's great. That's fine by me. In fact, I agree. We should bring him back for that, um, especially as a mentor to Lamelo. That sounds good to me. Um, it's just giving him big minutes is, is where I, uh, oh, yeah. I worry. So no. I think that in between of like, yeah, as more of a reserve role, if he's down for that. Um, then yeah, I can do that for the minimum, 100%. And if Lamelo did go down with an injury, you'd probably be playing Terry's here anyway, I think. And even if not, like Isaiah Thomas can probably play like a similar offensive system that Kemba Walker did in Charlotte, like pulling up off high screen pick and roll. That's what IT does. Um, and Steve Clifford has, has built a team around that before. So um, yeah, I, I think that's where I fall. Cause I, but the, the roster crunch is the other thing. You have 14 players, not including Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. That is assuming they bring back Nick Richards, which I don't think should be an assumption now. You're looking at Plumley, Williams, Kai. You also got PJ who can play some five. Do you think the Nick Richards experience is over in Charlotte? Do you yeah, think he's they, gotta be. they move him on? He's got to be on his last legs here, I'm afraid. He's just... There's there's too many other guys to play now with Mark Williams. Any would there ever be a like if Plumlee's going to still be getting serious minutes, which it sounds like he's going to at least at, at the start. Which I understand, you know, Mark, you're not going to say Mark Williams is starting center with no other option from game one straight out of like yeah, of course. I think most, I think a lot of the fan base might want to do that, but I yeah, also agree I, I, it would be a terrible decision. Plumlee is not well loved in in Charlotte, I'm afraid. But yeah. I'll say that 
there's probably never going to be a time where Nick Richards is getting minutes where you're not like, man, I really wish Mark Williams was out there right now. Uh, so I would say, and especially considering his contract, it's not guaranteed at all. No, uh, I know it's a team option. Yeah. So if it's a total team option, yeah, I, I would say he should be off. Especially if we're struggling for roster spots, I wouldn't feel too bad about that. Well, and that's this is why I think it's so interesting because Nick Richards' guarantee date is the seventh of July. So you know by then probably free agency. A lot of the big names are off the market. The Hornets. Let's assume they if they were to. They wouldn't have to make the decision until a week into free agency. So they could sign one free agent and then kind of figure out, okay, what we're going to do with, with Nick Richards. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have your eye on anyone else in free agency who think maybe with the, the 4.1 million biannual exception, the 10.3 million full MLE or part of that that you would like to kind of pursue? We've talked about like kind of a backup vet min role for Isaiah Thomas or, or some of that nature. Is there any, let's assume you do that. You get in a veteran ball handler, IT or someone else. Who are you na- waving Nick Richards for? Nick Richards. I don't know if they're going to go out and really spend money on a guy because I feel like the rotation is already so locked in at this point, especially it's like at center. Like you've already got the guys you can play there. Um, and so, so like would you wave him a- just to have the, the extra spot on the, the roster and the flexibility to take someone in a trade? Because at that point you could have IT on and you could have Richards, and that's your 15. I, and I'd be willing to – I would say that, like, if, if he's to fill out the 15, sure, fine. But I, I'm not very interested in watching him play any serious minutes other than a reserve role for the sake of having 15. I think, like, if you go out and spend, like, you know, some of the, the names that have been released, like Obama or something, like, he's not just not going to be able, like – if we were going to go do that, like, we were going to – Plumlee would not be on the team right now. And that Steve Clifford would not allow Mo Bamba right. to come to Charlotte. Right. I really like uh, Jalen Smith. I thought that he was a little under, like, I know he's a free agent right now, but again, it's like, so we're going to have him and Williams and Plumlee? Probably not. So I would say, honestly, maybe, maybe they'll just roll with Richards for the sake of it. But I don't know if there's anybody for like the minimum is like the 15th guy I really have in mind. No, I think I agree. I, I mean, one thing that I was thinking is if you do decide to move on from like, you could non guarantee. Ubre, let, let's say you just wanted to go in a different direction. You wanted Buck Knight to be at the centerpiece of that, that second part of the offense. There mm-hmm. is a world where you can move on from Ubre. He's got 50% of his contract guaranteed, I believe. Um, and then you can look to add a more defensive-minded wing. So like Josh Okoji is a restricted free agent in Minnesota. They may or may not bring him back, but he's a very much defensive-minded player, kind of MKG-esque in some ways, actually, which might send a shiver, but um, I, I would say he has got more of a three-point shot than MKG did. I'd say he's probably at five to eight million, could be got for the MLE. And like, if you could just tell me right now that I could swap a Koji to Ubre, and then I can play Buck Knight as like the scorer, I think that I think I'd prefer that balance a little bit more. Um, some of the guys to throw out there, like Derek Jones Jr., um, although I'm not too much of a fan of his, uh, Yuta Wantanabe could be a guy, Kyle Anderson. I, I don't know. He is a good defender, uh, another kind of ball handler. Um, you know, they could be some backup wings to go for if they were to either trade Ubre or to non-guarantee his contract. Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually kind of okay with keeping Ubre, honestly, at this point. Um, and I, I'd like to see – I'd like them to go in with the approach and maybe let's see how things shake out. I guess, uh, like, if if you get to the trade deadline, I feel like Ubre is like going to be a pretty solid piece to go and. 
and and try to you know move. I think teams will be interested in him. He, but what he brings on offense, I think, is important. And I think it's tough for the Hornets because they have so many guys like that. Where it's like, yeah, we have him, but we also have Book Knight. It's like we also have Gordon Hayward. So I also have like, there's it's not as valuable to a team that doesn't really need someone like that or is trying to play young guys who do basically the same thing like Book Knight. Um, I understand the offense can go through him a little bit more, but. I think cutting him to go sign stuff like I, I don't know how how serious Josh is. As it'd be a, an expensive move, which we've discussed right, earlier, would, would right. suggest the Hornets wouldn't pursue it. But I feel like Mitch has done a pretty good job overall, outside of maybe the Duran trade of like really maximizing the value. Like I thought the Graham stuff, he really that's got to be his finest move yes. as a heart. That was ridiculous, and it's so funny because it could only be a first round pick one year, and it's the highest possible pick it could be. Brilliant. I mean. Um, that, that doesn't get enough love, that trade, because we didn't know the result of it until a year after it happened. But if they'd have done that at Devonta Graham for the 15th pick at that point, then people would have been like, that is, you know, A+. Plus. I mean, it is a, absolutely... It's in a, a sign-in trade. trade, no less. If, if they had gotten two seconds for him in a sign-in trade, honestly, that's pretty good. It's truly yeah. not bad for what you... And Graham was like, was he playing in the playoffs? I don't think he was. No, he had an injury. I, you know, he, he wasn't true. playing, but he did have an injury-ish. But you, you are right. He wasn't playing. He was, I mean, he, I, he was getting kind of phased out of the rotation a little bit there. Um, so yeah. I, I think I think he killed it on that. I'd like to see him do something similar with Uber because I think he is movable. And I'm actually kind of good with maybe not. Like, if they're not going to go out and sign, like, a real serious free agent, if they're going to keep Plumley, I think the one thing I would really like to see him do is go after a center. Maybe, but if they're not going to do that, then I'm kind of fine with. I wonder that. if you, you might have heard about this guy maybe once before. I, I don't know, maybe not. Miles Turner, like I've, I've heard a little bit. About him. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I we, the Miles Turner rumors are going to linger on. I'm afraid up to this trade deadline, everyone strap in, and then we'll probably get linked to him in free agency next year as well, and then he'll sign for another team, and we'll get linked to him in trades again. So everyone, just get and it will that. never end. Um, for the rest of time, this poor dude. Like, I get it's a business, but at some point, he he doesn't know if he's gonna be living in the same house next week for like the past three, four years. At this point, like, just let him trade him or don't. You know? Yeah. I'm actually a little low on Turner. I'm afraid for what the Pacers want for like. I I, I get it. I get it from on the court. It would be sick, but it would be half. Like people hate on Gordon Hayward for not playing. Dude, Miles Turner's just as like it's the same thing. He's, he's played a, less games in the last two years than Gordon. Exactly, Hayward. he's a seven footer with foot problems. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trading multiple firsts or whatever they want for a guy who I'm going to have to go resign in a year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I just can't do it. Charlotte have still got ammo at the moment, and especially mm-hmm. after the trade, to put their chips in the table and to go after someone. You know, three first round picks, young players. Uh, start level players, you, you know, you do what you need to do to land a guy. Mm-hmm. You only get to do that once. And if you trade right. away like two picks and a young player for Miles Turner, let's say, I don't know, Bama Debaio wants out of Miami. You don't have the ammunition anymore because you used it to get like a B, a B minus like guy. So I, I very much do feel that there's not been many times we've been in a position where I felt like it's been worthwhile to put the chips in and throw them in and really cash in to go chase mm-hmm. a, a big name. I don't think the team has ever really been in that situation. If, the, if this team continues to progress how we hope it will, I don't think in the next two years it'd be outrageous to be like, okay, they need to go out and get a guy. Like 
when the Utah Jazz traded for Mike Conley. I know it didn't work out, but I, you know, the process was chips in time, folks. Like we got to, we got to throw it in there because this is our, this is our period where we can be a good team. So I don't want to use up picks early in the process when we're still figuring out like, well, is Kai Jones a center or is he just a G League player? Once we know how those things will play out, and I know you never know for sure, but once you have a better idea, then mm-hmm. I think it's time to to throw it in. I agree. I think, um, and that, that's how that's how team building goes, right? It's like you see the best teams, the ones that win the championship, typically they go out and they make that final big push move, but they only do it when they are right there. Like the Bucks had the MVP when they got Drew Holiday, and maybe they gave up three firsts and you know, a big bunch of money, but that worked out because they were right there. Toronto, they made the move. They were right there. Even the Lakers, maybe they weren't right there, but when they got Anthony Davis, it's like, that's a little bit different, right? The Hornets aren't. And making that big move, especially for a guy who's injury prone, I mean, the most important thing in the playoffs if you're a contender is staying healthy, right? And And the way that it works in the NBA, if you are injury prone, you play 82 games, you will get hurt. There's no like, with a lot of these guys, it's not rolling the dice. Some of the, There's plenty of players who just cannot play 82 games. They can't stay healthy. It can't be done. It's too hard. Um, so I, I, I don't want to make our big investment when we haven't made the playoffs yet for a guy who I don't trust to stay healthy, even if Miles Turner is really good and like exactly what the team needs. I think we've, I think we've agreed a lot on this. I, we, we, we need to d- disagree more, I feel, next time. <laughs> but I, I, you know, can't help it. We seemed... You seem to be a, how would I, a kind of calm and composed, measured, reasonable voice. Which, I, try, I think, which I, I appreciate like that. I, say, I think the, Mitch times, is pretty like conservative. I try to like take on the same mindset as, you know, usually sometimes the right move is like not there. And I feel like Turner's forcing the move. It's like, we want the center. This is who's available. We got to go get him. I don't know if that's. It's interesting. Cause that doesn't, I'm, the, generally I find the, I'm going to call you this, the younger generation, right? I know you're only 10 years younger than me, but the younger generation generally are more like, no, something must happen now. Like it is, it is not the time for patience and there might not be a better deal out there. We must do it. And um, it's, it's refreshing to, to have that approach because I, that's generally how I kind of am with things as well. Um, or at least I, I try to be at times, not when I'm on a live draft show and they trade Jalen Durham. That was not one of those <laughs> well, moments. In the moment, it's impossible to be yes. like that, I'm afraid. But Go away, compose yourself, come back. The thing um, is, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm young, but the team's best player is even younger than me by a yeah. month. So you got, you got to realize that the timeline of this team is still way, way far off in the future. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, I think we'd be better off like if we really want Turner. We've already kind of done what we're going to do at center. Let's see how things play out a year. If we want to open up money next offseason, we'll have the ability to do that. I think it'll be a big possibility. And I I think the one dude I'm actually really watching, maybe he's not like the big final move, but if we opened up money to sign Jakob Pertl next year in free agency, that I would be excited about. That if I guess it depends on how Williams turns out, but I would much rather... I know the Hornets are not necessarily the greatest free agency destination of all time. Well, they're better than people think. Al they are. They Gordon are now Hayward. more than they ever have been. You know, like there's there's teams that have signed less people. Um, but I'm glad we found something we disagree on because I do not want Jakobertel in Charlotte. So not a Jakobertel fan. No, no. I mean, if you was to sign here for like 10 million per year in free agency, you didn't have to give up anything. I'd, I'd be fine-ish with it, but I just don't think he can play in the playoffs. Somebody who shoots that poorly in free throws, I. Played off the court, I, I don't get it. So 
Um, I'm glad we found something at the, at the I end. Can, I can. I guess I can agree on that. That's true. That's the one thing I'm worried about, Mark Williams. No, but. don't agree with me. Disagree. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I think that defensively what he does, it's like you, you look at like the Aiton – Maybe this is dumb. You look at some of the eight and stuff like these really great centers. It's like, dude, how are we going to split up the offense so where everyone gets the ball enough? I feel with Pirtle, you don't have to worry about that offensively. If the free throws are better, what he brings on defense. He's really, I mean, at least regular season wise, he's very, very, very strong for the Spurs. Um, but I'll give you the free throw things. I guess it just depends on how much it would end up costing. Uh, but I, I, I would kind of, I would like to see the Hornets. Like maybe it's not the big move, but I'd like to see them open up the max and see what happens next off season. I think it's a possibility. I think it could be done if they wanted to. Um, well, they have to move some serious salary to free up max. They'd have to. Well, with with Hayward being exp- with, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. With Hayward being inspiring, who knows? Um, but there's there's some, or they could stretch him if they really wanted to. Although I don't think they want to do that dead money stuff again um but yeah they get off a lot of salary next year but already. gordon hayward signed up through to 2024 he signed two more so he'd be an expiring next offseason uh okay he would become he wouldn't expire next offseason he had expired the offseason after that right right so he's got two years left on his deal so as an yes. expiring he might be easier to move okay and then you're, you're getting off of you're getting off of the batum money which is eight million a year getting okay. off of the Ubre yes, money i'm with you there um you're getting off of plumley's nine million so there's actually a lot. There's a way that they could open up a lot of money at depending on what they do with Hayward. And Kelly Bray as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they're not in such a bad position salary-wise. And that's another reason why I think Miles is, is a slight. You should just re-sign him. And that was a good – I thought that was a good point about him playing consistently. There really are much fewer guys who are putting in 80 games a year than people think. It is really, really more rare than people think. Um yeah. Um, one of the names just throughout, I, I meant to mention it earlier. If, if IT didn't come back, uh, Javon mm-hmm. Carter, who is like a defense first ball handler, I'd quite like him as well. As he's like the only other name that, that really stuck out to me. Um, yeah, that would, I would agree. That'd be cool. <clears throat> okay. Matt, I think we're going to leave it there. We've run a little bit long, but hey, free agency is coming up. We don't have three oh, yeah. pods and three weeks to spread this content over. So we got to no, get this 100%. out there. I appreciate your long shift here. I, you, you mentioned, uh, earlier how you know you don't always get to talk about hornets all the time in your show so i'm hoping you've uh, managed to get it out of your system and it was great to have you on and if you ever get these urges to share hornets takes you are more than welcome to come back on the podcast at any time because it's been great having you oh, oh no I, I appreciate you uh let me come on and i'll definitely be back um there's only so long i can go out talking about the hornets before the hunger strikes again and i must great i'm looking forward to it already okay thanks for coming matt cheers Thanks. Bye.